friends at Tivoli Brewing Company and the Department of Communication, Arts, and Sciences at MSU Denver, this is Unfiltered. And here are your hosts, Jay Schrader and Dr. Samuel Jay. Can't sleep, you're just lying there awake. Who are we talking to? What's your name? Oh, I'm Jordan. What's your last name, Jordan? Fink. And where are we? Woods Boss Brewing Company. Jay, I usually ask you that. Do you know the address? 2210 California Street. 2201, shit. I really have no use here today. No purpose. It's only half dyslexia if you only mix up two. Yeah, I drove around it fucking three times, though. Two things. They put on Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings since I walked in here with a shirt on. So I appreciate that. But it's also next to the British Bulldog. Is it the British Bulldog? Is that what it's called? Uh, It's three blocks away. Yeah. So it's pretty close. Uh, Good soccer bar. Yeah. Very good football. Yeah. Have you been there? Oh, of course I've been on the British Bulldog. But uh, we have brunch every Sunday at the lobby right down the street, too. Well, which yeah. is damn good breakfast. I think our beer is there. They're trying to get our beer in there or something. Oh, are they? Yeah. So they actually almost didn't seat my grandparents <laughs> and a party of eight fuckers last well, week. on this, by the way? Yeah, please okay. do. Please Encouraged. do. Um, and it actually caused a bit of a flap, and we almost didn't go back on Sunday because they know us so well, but there's been a turnover in management so if you're, if you're struggling to get your beer in there, maybe now's the time to do it. I don't think we're struggling. I think that they hit us up about doing – they wanted to do like a, one of those beer war things where they put you and four other people on tap for a month and see who see who sells the most and then oh. put you on tap for like four months after that. What's the lobby? It's just a fucking – breakfast restaurant down the street it's amazing it's in this ancient hotel um and uh we did they do bottomless mimosas for like 12 dollars. yeah jordan's over here busting balls uh, i'm actually uh, I'm, no you do have to do it in npr we've got a new addition to the crew here too please introduce yourself in the npr voice no just a regular Gin- Ginger bearded. <laughs> of course. Who are you? Damn, it feels good to be a ginger. It's true. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. It's a rye beer we're talking about here. Okay. Yeah. Your first name, last name. Uh, a lot of ginger. Actually. Uh, yeah, I'm Chad Moore. Um, I'm one of the co-founders here at Woods Boss Brewing Company. Yes, you are. Um, here proud of here. you, buddy. So, how did I'm you two you. meet? Because you're both East Coast assholes. Yeah, I'm, I'm Yankees. He's Red Sox. Yeah. Oh, nice. Asshole, and then whatever. Just an Yankees. asshole. So how did you get that? Like, okay, what, what, let's start from zero. Okay, so um, I was born 1977. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. um, how were you conceived? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But my parents used to call me up when I was in college and play the fucking tape of my birth at like six o'clock in the morning Good God. um every year yeah it was a great way to wake up can we skip they the recorded that, that? they did yeah on like a little handheld that's you know, fucked like up dictaphone sort of thing that's absurd um, yeah anyway i don't I want any part of that tells you a little bit of something about me uh chad and i met through mutual friends a long time ago six seven years ago now Something like that. Here in town? Uh, actually, at Red Rocks. Okay. Uh, we were at Railroad a Earth concert. Railroad Earth concert. Hanging out yeah. with um, my buddy, Dan Weisletter, and uh, my wife, Michelle, and Chad and his wife, Katie, were walking right in front of us. And 
Katie used to live with Chad's wife when they were ski bumming as, you know, early 20-something-year-olds in uh, Breckenridge. So uh, we met at that show and just kept running into each other through mutual friends or other shows. And yeah. And then, uh, what was it, 2014? 14. 14. Uh, I, was, I pulled into the parking lot over at Dick's Sporting Goods at the Fish Show. And uh, who pulls up right, at, right next to me? Jordan. And yep. we got out and started just chatting about, you know, kind of this, that, and the other thing. And, um, and then all of a sudden, Jordan was like, hey, I'm looking at trying to start a brewery at some point or close here. I'm sick of making killer beer and not being able to call my own. You go. So where were you making it before that? So I got my um, start at Tommyknocker. Okay. Uh, and when Chad and I were chatting at this particular fish show, I'd just been hired to uh, go help start the first craft brewery in Nepal and was leaving in like three weeks or something yeah. like that. Um, so I went to Nepal to help build this brewery with uh, Charlie Sturdevant from Golden City Brewing um, and uh, the guys from the Sherpa House in Golden. And <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, no, was, I've never even heard event. this story. But so Chad and I kept in touch um, while I was over there. And trying to figure out, you know, if this was a good fit and if it was a go. Uh, anyway, got back and we sat down for a beer um, somewhere. Wits End, I think. Wits End, yeah. So wait, hold Actually. on. How long were you over there? Uh, seven months. Seven months. Seven months. So you're starting in Nepal. You're eating a lot of great Indian food. Um, uh, Nepalese yeah. food. Yeah. Correct. And you guys are just, you're, this is we're, just, br- we're what just are like you doing? We're just like this time. So I was, I mean, I was working at Lockheed Martin and uh but during that time we were skyping back and forth talking about a business plan we were talking about we actually surprisingly didn't really talk about at first anyway the brewery itself we were talking about what kind of a business how we would want to run it how we want to um, make sure we were uh expressing our you know, desire to be in the community and be a who part we wanted and to be, who we wanted to be, yeah, as a brand and as a company and what we wanted to represent, and then obviously evolved more into okay, okay, now into the brewing process and what we're doing and what we wanted to represent. Yeah. So was it always going to be a brewery? I mean, yeah, you guys absolutely. put a lot. You guys put a lot of thought on the front end into sounds like culture and community, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my second question is, how does a guy that goes to enough fish shows? that you keep running into each other at get a job at Lockheed Martin <laughs> I've been working at Lockheed Martin well I was working at Lockheed Martin for uh, 10 years and before that I was working for Bechtel Engineering an engineering firm um, big IT security guy huh um, that seemed like something that wouldn't get you past the clearance test but <laughs> everybody's got to release somehow right? yeah that's true <laughs> uh, so I mean it was it was interesting because I knew I wanted to open up a brewery and I knew I thought enough about brewing, um, so far so good. But what I didn't know anything about was business. Okay. Um, and Chad, oh come on, you knew a little bit about. Well, business. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I knew enough to you know really make some bad choices if I'd been doing it on my own. Um, but so I was looking for a partner who understood business and finance and mm-hmm. um, all this other stuff. And we started talking. Chad's background is in business. He'd started a couple before. Um, and you have an MBA too, in fact, I believe. I have an MBA and I have a master's of systems engineering. Right. I've got a master's in high school science education. 
So there we go. So, I mean, that takes a lot of self-awareness, though, to say, <laughs> I, I, I want to start a brewery, yeah. and I, can, I have a little bit of the business stuff, but not enough to actually make it successful. Right. How do you have that self-awareness? Is it your parents? Is it, um, your, is it getting your ass kicked as a kid? Uh, what I don't is know. it? I was invited to Mensa when I was like seven, so maybe really? that's it. So you're really smart. <laughs> smart ass. I no idea. <laughs> yeah. Supposedly, yeah. Uh, no, look, I mean, I think that part of it is um, I knew I wanted to open up a brewery years ago, which is why I got a job at Tommyknocker, mm-hmm. um, so that I could actually learn how to do it and execute well when I wanted to open up a brewery. Okay. Um, I wanted to learn everything I possibly could because I was homebrewing my ass off and I was loving it, but there were so many things that I knew I didn't know. Um, and there were things that I didn't know I didn't know. And the only way to actually do that is get a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lucked into a job at Tommyknocker, um, learned a ton, learned even more when I was uh, overseas in Nepal, building brewery from scratch. I mean, yeah. these guys were literally making bricks by hand. Damn. Um, it was fascinating and terrible at the same time um but you know i mean the the other thing is i knew that i couldn't do it on my own i didn't want to do it on my own Mm -hmm. um i wanted i wanted a partner i wanted a friend who would uh do this with me and you know um focusing on the brewery is a lot it's Mm -hmm. enough um without having to also know how to (laughs) obtain all the different licenses and you know manage uh pnl sheets which I still don't entirely understand. So. Do you give a shit? Do you want? You don't want to? Do you care about? Well, of course, that? I care. Okay, I mean, my financial then, future is tied up in this right, place. Right. Um, that being said, Chad knows it better and yeah. is better at it. So we we have our own buckets that we're the expert in, and we both overlap in each other's buckets. So how do those conversations sound? Like when you're like, how often do you have to have these conversations in which your expertise and your expertise cross paths? Is it a weekly thing? Is it a monthly thing? I mean, the conversation's ongoing okay. yeah, we talk every, every single day. day. Okay. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, it's an ongoing conversation. If you're more asking, like, you know, when do you actually sit down and talk about a P&L with each other? Yeah. I mean, we talk about that probably. Once a quarter. Yeah, probably once a quarter in a in a depth mm-hmm. scenario. Yeah. But that's a, I mean, cash flow and, you know, what the bottom line looks like and, you know, monthly status and weekly status at some point during the winter it's it's a, a weekly status of where we're at what's going on and well, you sure were both on that same page so that we can you know manage right when you the pulaski pecan brown by the way tastes like pecan pie <laughs> okay <laughs> very good that was no that was really good yeah. i'll get in there in a second wow that yeah. you, you're i haven't seen you this happy ever i guess we've never gone to vegas together but <laughs> Well, never mind. <laughs> I, I've got a buddy who brews at a brewery in Vegas. Actually, I used to brew with him at Odyssey. Which brewery? Um, Which brewery? I have to look at the wall. I don't. There's only one brewery that I know of, and it's Sin well, City, and it's, it's been it's there not, forever. It's not in Vegas proper. It's right outside of. Um, I don't know, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll let you know. Yeah, it's not a. It's not critical. Believe me. I'm. I'm here for window treatment only today. I'm sorry that I asked these tough questions, but it's nice. Yeah, all good. Were you expecting – did you have the confidence in yourselves when you started this <laughs> that mitigated or at least rounded out the corners of the, the success you've had? Like this is – 
considered, I mean, for us as beer drinkers and people who know, you know, from the beer consumer side pretty well, one of the best breweries in town. Did you think this was going to happen? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Thank no, I mean, seriously. No, like, I mean, <laughs> our friends love coming here. Thank our friends, you. friends. I mean, people from all demographics love coming here. Look, uh, I don't mean to sound egotistical when I say we had confidence and yeah. we're we're proud of what we do and we're happy with where we're at and how we're received. Um, but it, I think is also more than just having confidence in ourselves was having confidence in each other. Yeah. Um, so when I got back from Nepal, we were. Um, writing our business plan, looking for funding, um, and trying to find a place. And we had actually found a place up in Evergreen, which ultimately fell through at the last minute. But during this time, yeah, I would say, yeah, it actually worked out well. I mean, that was like you know this sort of childhood fantasy of having a little mountain brewery, and you know, just, yeah. I live in the hills anyway. So, but um, at that time, Chad was gearing up to take a eight month, um, South American road trip with his wife and his dog, um, bought a you know, overlander truck and shipped it down to Buenos Aires. Um, and then spent the next eight months just cruising through the South America, Pan American highway. And you know, the folks who knew me best were like, what the hell are you doing? Like, what is this guy doing? He's taking off. You're trying to start a business. I was like, no, no, no. This is the guy. Um, and I want him to go have this experience. And you should talk about this experience. Because <laughs> it happened You're to you. You're doing a pretty good job there, yeah. actually. Um, no, it was one of those things that I was at a point in my career where I had worked international business development for about four or five years. And mm-hmm. I was grinding to the bone. And um, got to a point where I, I needed I need to find my soul <laughs> i needed to go and get away for a while and get get some time for myself and my wife and, um, and have some of those experiences that um, kind of make us inspired and uh so yeah i shipped my customized my truck shipped it down to buenos aires uh drove to patagonia spent about five weeks in patagonia and then went all the way up the Catatero thrall to um cartagena colombia and uh, we camped out for 228 days in the back of my truck that's awesome. So me, my wife, and my dog, it was wild. The, it was uh, unreal. And whenever he could get internet access, we were Skyping, and I was looking for properties, and literally he'd be in the middle of fucking nowhere, and I'd be walking around some <laughs> shithole with my phone, <laughs> like, what do you think about this spot? And um, That happened at least 30 times. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, during that time, we looked at uh, almost 80 properties yeah. while I was away. Mm-hmm. And by we, I mean, I guess he did. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we did. We Some of which are now birds, in, actually. In yeah. that research mode, in that building partnership mode, while he was gone in Nepal, and then, again, when I was gone. And that partnership just grew and grew. And then the more trust we built, because we knew what we wanted and knew we had this expectation when we came back that we were going to get get after it and try to build this community brewery that we've been dreaming about would uh either or both of you not necessarily traveling have changed the way that partnership developed a little bit i mean if you hadn't gone to nepal and you were here for that whole time would would something else have caught your eye or if chad you hadn't gone to south america and you were just working yeah i mean like like if you're talking about proving the null hypothesis here right that sounds smart i mean i don't even know what that fucking means so but yeah that's it sounds if I can, if I can glean apart the, the meaning of what your statement was, yeah, it sounds like. I mean, the, the answer is who, who the fuck knows. Okay. Um, well, there you go. 
I mean, it, it, these are all formative experiences, not only for us individually, but for us and how we went about doing this. And, and they're important stories about who we are and who Woods Boss is and right. what we're all about. So, yeah, I mean, to that extent, um, I'd say it was really important. But would this have not happened or would it have not come about in the same way? I mean, I... Who the fuck knows? You know, it's right. amazing that the one of the first questions that comes to mind when I think about, okay, if how would it have changed? And the part that makes me so concerned or worried about it is this building. Really? The building we found. Just timing-wise? The wise? building we're in right yep. now, the timing was so perfect on so many different levels. I mean, from, you know, just from being able to have the opportunity to even build a brewery in this building is incredible to the zoning laws changing 45 days after we signed a lease that would have made it impossible for us to to build Afford a brewery this, yeah wow um, i mean there's so many factors that went into it that you know things things fell into place in a good way and this building is gorgeous it's funny we were supposed to sign a lease on the uh the flight co building actually um, right. Really? Yeah. So the landlords were looking at that building um, and they had a bunch of issues with the city. Um, they needed to know that, you know, the things that they were looking for would be OK. The issue around that at the time was parking and they couldn't come to terms with the city. So they moved on and found this building and asked us if we were interested. And um, Chad actually came and saw this before me and was like, holy fuck. Yeah. And Beautiful. I came and saw. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, he's like, No, 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 no. Two things. One, don't think about how it looks now. Think about how it's gonna look. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Okay. Um, and he's like, And don't think about the way the neighborhood looks now. Think about where the neighborhood's gonna go. I was like, Okay, I'm on board. Um, and yeah, I mean, to be clear, this place was a shithole. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, we, I was here 10 years ago. I mean, yeah. this place It looked like a falling down, abandoned crack house. The building, too, not just the surrounding area, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, the, so the landlords bought this for whatever amount and put in almost the exact amount um, back into, which was a lot of fucking money, um, into fixing it up. Um, just to getting it habitable? Yeah, and more or less, you know, yeah. um, something that tenants would actually see as valuable sure. and wanting to move into, and um, you know, it's been a great partnership with our landlords as well. Um, What's so the name mean? Woods Boss. Yeah. So uh, it means more than one thing. the The root of it is it was my job title at one point. Ah. Um, so. <coughs> I worked for um, the Forest Service for a number of years, building trails, fighting fires, um, and then I worked for a youth conservation corps, also building trails, doing conservation work, but with teenagers okay. um, over the course of spring, summer, and fall. So taking you know kids out in the woods, you know, 16 to 19 year olds, um, doing trail work, conservation, environmental education, life skills, work skills team building, all that sort of stuff, modeled after the Civilian Conservation Corps sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I started as a crew leader and then became what's known as a woods boss, which is a field manager. So I was managing four crews of combined 40 kids and eight adults. Mm -hmm. um, and I was, you know, the technical expertise and um, I would bring the hammer when it was required and the leaders couldn't handle it. I would bring the crazy fun and work ethic, um, someone to spice up 
the week. I handled you know weekend sites and resupplies and all sorts of stuff. Um, and it was an extremely formative time in my life. Most of the most batshit crazy experiences that helped me become who I am and helped me identify who I wanted to be happened as a Woods boss. It's where I met my wife. And she was the one, when I was talking about opening a brewery, who suggested that I name it Woods Boss because such a big part of my life. But when Chad and I sat down to talk about the name, which I, you know, was really gunning for Woods Boss, he was like, explain it to me. Um, and the thing about it is it's more than just that job itself, the working with kids out in the woods. It's also a philosophy and a work ethic um, and a way of interacting with people and trying to bring out the best of each other and all that sort of stuff. And that's the piece that um, we could all get on board with, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. hope. Yeah, it, it's, you know, taking the name definitely has the root there, but if you expand it to the community and, and the... I guess the, the people around us in our everyday lives and sharing that experience with people and sharing that, that um, I guess, philosophy with other folks of, you know, the simple one is you never know who you're sitting next to, you know, the, the silly <laughs> saying, it. but you have that, that vision or we have that vision of, you know, the, the guy in the suit sitting next to, you know, some dreadlock hippie, dreadlock, kid. hippie yeah. kid yeah which happens all the time and they strike it happens up a conversation. all the time now and in forming those creations it doesn't matter who you are what you look like what you believe in anything you guys just seem so grounded both of you <laughs> sure. and to not have kids you have a kid you have a kid I have now? no kids I, you I have, have one coming i have one on the way let's that come was... back when your one on the way is here in a year by the <laughs> way um Beer you just what tried is, is a beer we call Speaking Truth to Stupid. Okay. Um, I need that right now. Yeah. yeah. I think we all need that. <laughs> that's that's Most good. Days. What kind of beer was that? I mean, So it's, it's a Jasmine Rice Saison. Okay. It was, I was going to say. It was that. actually um, tail end of a collaboration we did with Stormbreaker from uh, Portland, Oregon. Um, wow. That we released during Great American Beer Fest. So okay. So is that the last little bits of it that are left around here? Yeah. We've got, uh, I think, maybe two kegs left huh. out of a 15 barrel batch I, that had so. just a nice little sweet kick right yeah. at the end you guys to easy your easy drinking for eight and a half percent oh holy shit <laughs> yeah that's easy drinking god damn that's awesome you guys have um some killer killer beer names by the way too i mean you've got yeah totally <laughs> we we just need uh, we just is, need is another who, fucking uh, mic um, here up against the wall redneck mother Oh, yeah, yeah. That, sorry. Three names. <laughs> You're close. <laughs> um, that last beer is uh, Reveresco, which Ooh. is our Scotch Ale. Um, That's a good Scotch Ale. And I hate that Scotch one's 9.5%. Um, Thanks, But guys. drinks like it's six. It's actually... So, uh, it's okay, honey. It's coming out in three weeks, so, so we're... <laughs> that count. actually yeah. comes from Chad's background, the name at any rate. Yeah. Or the beer. It's, uh, the name Reveresco is the Maxwell family motto, ah. which is Maxwell's... Um, my my mother's maiden name okay uh, means noble or sorry it means um i flourish again oh so and the logo on the bottle we did a um barrel aged version of it is really cool it's like a stump that's been cutting down that's been cut down that's starting to sprout again nice yeah. you guys think which, about this which stuff is then. actually my family logo yeah it's, that's badass yeah. okay so let me ask you what was the beer that got you into craft beer what was it, what was the oh, beer man. that changed everything? Uh, it was probably 
Shed Mountain Ales um, or Shed Brewing Company out of Vermont called Mountain Ale, and uh, it was it was one of those beers back in college, but it was uh, I think it was like seven point six percent, and it was one of those one at of the those, time was huge. After, yeah, at that time it was huge, and it was like we just our crew could not get enough of it. We never, yeah, never before, right? What's that? You'd never before. You just never tasted anything like it. Oh man, it was it was so incredibly unique. From that point forward, it was shed shed kegs at all. all kegs. That's all you guys drank, and that's it. So we ask this question a lot, actually, and not everybody knows the answer. But holy shit, did you see the look on Chad's face when he thought of the beer? Like, lit up. Yeah, I lit up. I thought he was going to cry for half a second, honestly. And I mean that. In a, I mean that in a good way. I have not seen somebody that excited about the beer that turned them to craft beer in a oh, long yeah. time. I mean, that's a, that we kind of laugh about the question, but that was amazing. I, so now, Jordan, you got to one up that here in a second. But uh, Sam's got stuff to say first, so it'll give you a minute to compose no, yourself. No, go, go ahead, Sam. Well, like in college, what was the beer you drinking before that? That really changed. I mean, not changed. Sorry, go back. Like, what was the mass-consumed beer out on the East Coast oh, at that gosh. time? Uh, what? Natty. It was a Natty. <laughs> okay, really. Natty uh, we, Bud Light was heavy. Coors Light. What maybe. college you go to? We, we used to get uh, twelve packs of Meister Brow in high school uh, for like two dollars. Uh, the the beef thirty packs for ten bucks. What school? Uh, St. Michael's College, Burlington, Vermont. Ah, and you? Yeah. I actually moved out here for um, college, 17, starting at CU. Okay, so nice. That's and awesome. then I kept going west from there. <laughs> yeah, makes total sense. Yeah, no, I went to like five different colleges and grad schools. You guys ended up okay. No, no, no grad school on my resume, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Just a lot of colleges. Yeah. Life, life is grad school, Jay. Right. So, so what was your beer? Uh, well, first, you just had a sip. In yeah, what was water. that? That was delicious. So that's um, Turbid Morals. Um, it's our second Belgian Golden Strong. Right the first one yeah. you just had the um, two-year version of uh, a little bit earlier. That was that sour one, um, which we call Secular Morals. A um, little riff on the idea that you know there's a lot of different ways of going you know. about the world in the right way yeah, or the cool. wrong way if the, that's the way you want to go about it. That's fine, too. Um, anyway, it's a Belgian Golden Strong um, blend of a couple different classic Belgian strains um, brewed with Colorado wildflower honey and then uh, fermented uh, from day one on a small pitch of uh, Brettanomyces classini. Um, so not overly brett. Mm-hmm. But just a nice little funk um, gives it that sort of pineapple and apricot um, stone fruity note to it as well. The more that I do these ads, the more I realize that I should probably have Jay take care of a few of them. But alas, he's a banker and he has a lot of ass kissing to do on a daily basis, which might make it difficult for him to record these things. With that said, I want to take a second here to give a thank you and a shout out to our title sponsor, Tivoli Brewing Company. If you haven't been into the Tap House located right there on the Auraria Parkway, I suggest you make a trip. The beer is great. The food's fantastic. The guest taps are always awesome. I was in there not long ago. Had a there were some four noses on. There was uh, there was some beer from Seattle, Space Needle. I can't remember who makes it, but that was delicious. Anyhow, 
go in there, go to the tap room. But if you're not wanting to make the trip to downtown Denver, you don't want to deal with the traffic, for that I totally understand. Find Tivoli beer at your nearest liquor store because it's everywhere now. You can't you can't miss the cans. Awesome cans. We talked about Odd 13 having great cans. I think Tivoli's cans are badass as well. They uh, they have the look of the historic brewery. You can't really miss them. Go grab yourself a, a Hellas. Go grab yourself a cherry pie. I think the Hello Darkness Stout should be available soon. It's a fantastic little winter beer. Made by the boys in the back. With that said, cheers to Nate, cheers to Charlie, to Chris, to Kyle, to Ethan, to everybody else who makes that thing happen. Tivoli Beer. Go to the tap house. Get you one over the bar. Find it in stores. Can't miss it. Look for the big Tivoli Tower. Thank you, Tivoli, for uh, putting your name behind this train wreck that is unfiltered. And thank you to all of you for listening to the show. So with that said, enjoy the rest of the interview and go grab a Tivoli. Where do you get your yeast? Uh, we almost entirely get our yeast from Inland Island. Okay. Um, okay. Though we've also worked with Propagate. Um, yeah. Sometimes we get some dry yeast from BSG, depending on what we need, um, you know, Cephal or something like that. Um, anyway, that beer is 10.5%. So also you, drinks like at 6%. Are you going to big beers this weekend then? Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, that's yeah. a really smooth, big beer. Yeah. Gosh. So that beer is coming. The first beer with the Secular Morals um, was in a barrel for two years. Um, second use red wine barrels pitched um, three different strains of wild bugs. Um, let it sit for half a year and then put a bunch of uh, Palisade peaches in it. Let that nice. sit for a year. And then put another year's harvest worth of Palisade peaches in it and then let it sit for a while. And um, you're one of the first people to actually get to taste it. Oh, my God. And we're the, <laughs> first, the first commercial tasting will be at Big Beers. Wow. Um, Holy shit. Anyway, my first. That was, that was mind-blowing. It's good beer. Where is it again? Uh, Did you already? Uh, damn I mean, I can get you more. It's not a problem. Might need a, t- a taste no, of it. Anyway, the, oh, wait, we're, done. we're we're I'm getting that one tested by firmly um, Danny Wang and Emily Wang, um, formerly owners of Caution, um, yeah. now have a uh, this great little um, business. They're doing really well, actually, called Firmly, where they um, will come to you, grab samples, and do full lab analytics. Most breweries our size can't afford a lab, right? Don't have the space for it, um, all that sort of stuff. So you know, for a, small nominal fee you can get actual tested abvs um ibus check for you know potential for diacetyl um other off flavors other things that you either want or don't want in it um which is great so uh i think that that one's like 12 and a half percent um but we also make small beers too which is great what was your beer what was my beer Oddly enough, um, so there's like that first beer that blew my mind, like 1.0, and then there was uh, 2.0, and then 3.0, right? So first one, I didn't like beer when I was a kid. Um, I would drink it because that's what people did. Uh, Mostly I just smoked a lot of pot Mm -hmm. um, from a very young age. Uh, My mother's listening. Sorry. She already knows. Sorry, Mom. Um, (laughs) Anyway, but uh, I was hanging out with some friends, and this guy I used to know, um, super pretentious dick, <laughs> but kind of a cool guy, too, um, had a uh, half rack of 
Uh, you know who I'm talking about, right? <laughs> like we all have that person in our lives. That um, was Jay. Yeah, there is that guy. Yeah, totally. Exactly. It's yeah. like if you didn't know him, he'd be an asshole. But yeah. like since you do, like he's all right. You give him a pass, um, you know? Yeah. My wife still says that. Yeah, <laughs> true story. Anyway, uh, it was Newcastle. Um, really? First okay. beer I ever actually enjoyed. And back then, Newcastle tasted. Was so, so brown, mean, it, it brown was, ale? Yeah, yeah, the English brown. Okay. Um, and then uh, towards the end of high school, it was uh, Dick's Danger. Um, no, sorry. Uh, what was it? Um, Pete's Wicket. Sorry, Dick's Danger was out in Washington. Okay. Um, that was a great beer. Um, but then uh, after my freshman year of high school, I was ski bumming, living up in Redcliffe outside of Vail. Okay. And uh, the old liquor store guy who thought I was 25, never asked me for an ID, only sold Red Hook ESB. Okay. And uh, that beer to this day so is... Good. It I, still is a good beer. Yeah. yeah. And I still love ESBs and I miss them. We brew ESB yeah. every year. It's um, the name. And I don't care if other people want to drink it. There's enough people who are like, sweet, an ESB doesn't sell fast. We have 20 taps, so I don't mind if something takes a while to sell. Not everything has to be, you know, um, you're hazy that, you know, three quarters of the people coming in are looking for. Um, what we do here, which we talked about from the get-go and why we have 20 taps is people would always ask us, like, are you going to specialize? Are you going to niche it out? Um, and I was yes. like, yes. Yes, we are. Yeah. We're just going to focus on making really good fucking beer. That's a hell of a niche. Yeah. Um, so we don't focus on any one particular style. We have anywhere between, you know, four to six or seven hop forward IPAs or pails on. We always have a few Belgians. We do some English stuff. We do some American stuff. We do some funky, weird shit. Um, we do some clean, traditional California commons, ESBs, stuff like that. Um, but my hour um, conversation was uh, coming back to the idea of community, which is I don't care what you like. I care that you could find something that you want to drink here. Um, and so far, it seems like it's working out. That's huge. Let me know when the ESB is on again. I hate to do this, guys, but I got to run. Yeah. I got to go coach 11-year-old lacrosse. So, <laughs> so that you're sticking you me it. with – that you're sticking them with me, yeah. these poor guys. <sighs> My God. You All right. I just got the text message from the wife. I don't have to be home till eight. So, no, no, it's it's good take a while. Bye, Jay. Love you. All right. So you two, I'm very intrigued by this. So you liked each other from day one. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, we didn't know each other, but I was like, cool guy. You know, when you when you meet at a when you meet at a show. Yeah. you immediately know you, you like good music. How much can you tell from people from the music, by the way? Like again? you can tell you can tell a lot from people by the music you listen to, right? I think so. Like more so yeah. than anything else. Yeah, and you can tell more about that person when you actually go to a show and hang out with them for that show. True. Right. True. Um, but we also have mutual friends. Um, I mean, our networks overlapped heavier than we actually thought from day one. Okay. And um, so, so yeah, I mean. It was uh, it was an easy easy beginning to be able to chat about anything and everything and how we wanted to you know build a business and what it would look like and how do you hire the people who are behind the bar and also back here I mean it's got to be kind of a challenge to keep that ethos 
We've been embodied. really lucky in that. Yeah. We have, and I'm sure everybody says this, but we have an incredible staff here. Yeah. I mean, we, we could not do what we're doing here without each and every one of the folks that are, you know, back here in the brewery and, and up front behind the bar. And I, I, I completely, truly mean that. I mean, every one of them are enthusiastic, excited, and really proud of the brand. You know, yeah. really proud of who we are, what we're trying to represent. And I mean that as a brewery. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah, yeah it, I mean, but it's hard. So it's hard to find good good people. It's got to be. So yeah. we um, we were very intentional when we hired. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a nice thing about the craft beer world. A lot of people like it and want to work in it. Mm-hmm. So there, it's a pretty deep pool to start with. Um, but we were we knew what we were looking for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you interview someone <clears throat> and you're like, all right, I think that person's what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that is true. And it's worked out pretty well for us. Of the, not including ourselves, nine other folks that are working here, um, 10, if you include like super part-time sort of like fill-in folks that um, when we need something, we call them up, they're like, hell yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, six of them have been with us essentially since day one, wow. um, which is awesome. Um, what do you right? think happens to this area in the next five years? Well, I mean, I know what's planned. <laughs> yeah. If that's what actually happens, I don't know. As business owners, what do you think happens? Well, I mean, if you look at the construction, what's being built, and then just the pure number of people that are moving to Denver proper, mm-hmm. I mean, the numbers vary a little bit, but um, from my understanding, it's a 50,000 net, mm-hmm. and you've got a housing shortage of about that amount mm-hmm. uh, every year. And, um, I mean, just in our square block alone, we've got, I think it's 1,300 uh, condo and apartment units that have opened up since we opened. Just in the last six um, months. Yeah, they've actually just opened the last six months. They broke ground, obviously, a year and a half, two years ago. But um, now that's just what's open now. Mm-hmm. And the back parking lot behind us mm-hmm. is planned a 14-story tower. Um, across the street from us, the bus station, uh, from what I understand, has been sold. Um, they have a limit of 218 feet, I think, that they can build so there. 18 stories. And it's a 15,000 or 50,000 square foot uh, lot, which is a double double lot. So you're fine here. They're not gonna yeah, wipe so it. We yeah, we're, we're fine right. here. <laughs> yeah, we we we're pretty firm in our. Yeah, in our I mean, look, the, the downtown's kind of moving over the top of us. Okay. Um, yep. You know, uh, so shortly after we signed the lease, they rezoned um, where we are as a new neighborhood, which is now called Arapaho Square, okay. that no one knows about. No one's heard about it. Everyone. It's in Denver Business Journal. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, it's yeah. true. Um, and Denver infill and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Um, these are all things I did not know two and a half years ago. Um, but I know it now. Anyway, um, when they rezoned it, they rezoned it for high-density residential, um, commercial, and arts district. Mm-hmm. They basically would like this strip, which goes from uh, Park Avenue to 20th and from Welton all the way down to mm-hmm. the ballpark, um, to essentially be another nightlife and arts and so something in between like Rhino and Santa Fe and stuff like that there's um well, you're seeing it now with the the ballroom and I mean there's yeah. there's plenty of stuff that's going on yeah no on. totally yeah. um so it's uh, I mean we we think we're going to be fine um as far as this goes I mean we'll see how the industry shakes out um it, it's an exciting time in Colorado and mm-hmm. Denver it's also 
pretty scary time. I was gonna say, yeah. I mean, what are you worried about? I mean, you know, people coming in and drinking beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> mostly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's there's concerns that go with a fast influx of people moving to anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, we just um, we're trying to do our part, you know, what we can anyway to help at least support the business, small businesses, and you know, those around us. Uh, to hopefully grow this area in a in a pace that is manageable for for all of us. That includes the residents in the area too. I mean, the residents to us are incredibly important to us. You know, it's we're all here. We got to figure out how to work work together to make it all happen. But when you see something like Boulder Beer Co. shutting down like they did today, what does that make you think as relatively new brewery owners? Is it like what are the first thoughts that come to your head? Look, it's a it's an industry that is evolving yeah. incredibly fast. I mean, even if you look at the numbers from last year alone, I mean, and I mean, six days ago, twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. um, everybody talks about how many brews have opened. Not as many people had the conversation about how many how many brews were closing, mm-hmm. and that number's bigger than it has been. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's a lot of different reasons that go around that, and you know, we don't have to talk about it here, but. I think that um, all industries are evolving. Mm-hmm. The brewing industry is moving really fast, and we as small business owners and in the brewing industry need to be really methodical about, okay, what is our thing? You know, how are we going to protect ourselves from, you know, whether the industry takes a left or a right? I don't know, but yeah, I'm going to be a part of it. Yeah. So, part of the part of the thing we talked about when we first opened was um, what model because there's several different models of breweries out there right um, there's your large scale distro model nano brewery brew pub um, taproom focused brewery which we are um, all that sort of stuff I mean, Boulder Beer Company um, was the perfect storm of the exact wrong size um, they were not quite big enough to be able to be a true regional brewery but too big to be that sort of hyper craft even though they were the I mean first craft brewery to open in Colorado 40 years ago um, people stopped seeing them like that mm-hmm. right um, so the it was just perfect storm um, yeah. well you just said so much I mean basically what you just said is so much is brand perception yeah right it's true how so, are you maintaining it you well, two so there's, uh, I mean, there's a couple things that um, we think we do well. Um, we, we like to think of ourselves as both a community neighborhood craft brewery, mm-hmm. but also as a um, beer geeks brewery, too. Okay. So we kind of hit both of those sides. <coughs> um, we're also well-situated from downtown. We get a lot of folks coming in from out of town looking to check out breweries. I mean, we're the Napa of beer in this country other it's easy to argue that there are other places that are that Mm -hmm. as well and that's great um there's um a few different things so by staying focused on the tap room um it allows us to one not have to brew more than we really need or Mm -hmm. want to um which allows us to stay lean from a cost perspective Um, anyone will tell you that margins are best over your bar. Mm -hmm. If you're selling kegs or cans, you're getting, you know, 
uh, small percentage of yeah. the value of the beer itself. Dollars um, versus cents, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, no one likes to watch the sausage being made or talk about it, but this is this is what it is, right? Um, but there's benefits to that as well, not just the the margins on it, um, which is it allows people to have our beer the way it was intended, over the bar, where it's made. Uh, we control the beer from grain to glass all the way through. We're tasting it every single day. If there's something wrong with it, we know right off the bat and pull it immediately. It's only hap- had to happen like twice out of 180 beers. Um, one just aged out, another one had an infection, and we fucking dumped it. Um, you know, we do a small amount of uh, keg sales to bars and restaurants around town, but again, that's that hyper-local thing. Um, so are you okay with that? Like, moving forward, this yeah. is the place where you come to get the Woods Boss beer? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, we, we sell that- the bars and restaurants around town in order to... It, it's a form of marketing, right? Mm-hmm. We don't make a lot of money on it, but it um, allows us to keep the beer fresh, move it along, um, as well as introduce ourselves to people who might not have heard of us. Right. There are people who live six blocks away that walk in... Uh, you know, on a regular basis, we've been here almost two and a half years, and they're like, "God, I've never even heard of you guys." And they live six blocks yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do, we do small distribution in um, some of our bottles, and if we do small canning runs, we'll do small, di- small, select liquor stores in town, mm-hmm. small batches to them. Uh, they're stoked, and it goes. Um, that's not our primary source so we're we don't concentrate on you know distribution from that perspective but um but we do have you know retail here in the tap room too so you can come in and mm-hmm. take a Get four pack go. or you know take a bottles to go crawlers and crawlers to go um but do you feel that pressure ever i mean the question is always it always is are you going to distribute are you going to scale all this shit we get it all the we time that a lot. we're yep. like no <laughs> and that's fine yeah. I mean, that's a, I, as it I, should be, right? Our, like, with our, model. Yeah, our growth model is to try to replicate this type of experience in other communities. Yeah. If, if we ever get to that point. Um, it works out well. I mean, the other benefit is um, we actually get to see our customers enjoying our beer and talk to them about mm-hmm. it and share stories and all that sort of stuff. Um, we talk about the concept of third space, right? So first space being home, second space being work. Third space being where you go for enjoyment and community, um, and that's what this place is all about. And we see it on a daily basis, and we just as soon keep our liquid gold here for those folks. Makes total sense. Love it. Liquid gold. Um, I heard that. Anything you want to promote? Not assuming this comes out in two weeks. Is there anything um, you want to promote as we move into spring? Almost. Hisolda's coming out. It's good beer. Good beer. Um, it's dead time, right, for breweries? Yeah, this time look, of year is kind it, of pretty slow. Here's yeah. actually what I would Slower. say. Um, for those of you who haven't been in, come check us out. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who have been in and enjoyed it um, or thinking about giving us a second chance, come on in. Um, we are changing our tap menu on a regular basis. Yeah. I mean, we've got 20 beers on tap. There's about five that are year-rounders, and the other 15 are seasonal, maybe one time ever. Um, and there's always something new on if yeah. it's been even a couple of weeks, um, which is great. But the other thing I'd say is we have a ton of events going on all the time. Um, we have live music four to five days a week. We do a ton of stuff with nonprofits and are always 
um, hosting, you know, benefit nights where we're trying to raise money for nonprofits and donating, you know, a portion of the night sales to those folks and uh, all sorts of stuff. So, um, you know, check out our website, check out the Facebook events. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of really cool stuff going on that uh, we're, you know, it, there's a lot of noise out there. So unless you're going to looking for it, it might not wander across your your feed I think is the terminology. Is that feed, radar? Yeah, yeah. turn on your notifications for yeah. Red's Boss. Right, absolutely. <laughs> you too. Thank you so much. Jay left, which is probably a good thing. Um, How did you get into this, by the way? Uh, what was your What was your uh, gateway beer? Yeah, why don't we turn this around? Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I need more attention. No, I mean, uh, I, I was, I did a, a, a res, so I, I got my PhD, in and what? I needed a. a uh, in rhetoric, <laughs> digital rhetoric. <laughs> Literally, that's actually my background is uh, digital persuasion. Uh, is, is it okay if uh, I yeah. name a beer a PhD in rhetoric? No, you should. Okay. Although you can't double, I just we just made a beer at, for Tivoli. Uh, another professor and I made it called uh, "We're Not Real Doctors, Mom." <laughs> uh, a, I yeah, won't call it because it's a PhD. We had a, a smash beer over there. It was my first beer that I've made. Single malt, uh, single hop? Yeah. But I've never, like, made a beer and for my beer to be made in, like, the lab. And I feel like I was telling my wife I should I should get a kit. And she's like, no, just make it at the lab at Tivoli because they let you make <laughs> beer there. We like, actually oh, yeah, do okay. too. <laughs> yeah, it's the fucking most fun in the world. Yeah. It's a blast. We, we have uh, what we call our Shadow Brewers program. Okay. Um, when we, uh, we first opened, so Chad and I work the bar every Wednesday. Okay. Um, we're both busy, but we really like being behind the bar yeah. um, one day a week, uh, getting to talk to folks and yeah, You whatever. have to, right? Yeah. But when we first started, it was me, Chad, and Ryan. Ryan, our head brewer, Ryan Logan, um, who, you know, uh, we were brewing together at Tommyknocker okay. together. And when we first met, uh, also weird um, concentric circles of friends and family. Mm -hmm. um, but I told him that, you know, we hit it off right off the bat. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be starting my own brewery someday, um, and I want you to come with me because, you know, our philosophies on beer and our work ethic and all that sort of stuff, we have a lot of fun together, all that sort of stuff. He's like, great, you know, we'll see if that ever happens. Yeah. And, you know, um, we stayed in touch, and a year later, I was like, yeah, sign the lease, get ready. Um, I remember, oh, yeah, so um, Ryan and me and Chad would work behind the bar, and, you know, folks would come in, and we'd be talking to them, and they'd be like, you know, how do you learn how to do it? Or like, come on in and brew with us. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah, just people off the street. We're like, sure, why not? Um, and after doing that for a few months, we're like, you know, we should probably formalize this. So uh, the Shattered Brew Program, you can sign up, and eventually, it takes a little while, um, but I'll, you know, get a hold of you and have you come in and spend a day brewing with us. It's usually no more than two or three folks with either me or Ryan, That's usually awesome. Ryan because he's doing most of the brewing, and um, any level experience from, you know, don't even know how beer is mm -hmm. made to professional brewers have come in and hung out um, and brewed with us. Dude, and that's really cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's, And everyone has to get the Costanza on the barrels at the end. <laughs> really? we, we get pictures of it. Yeah, we, we've got a wall of shame. Going. Oh, my God. I mean, a digital rhetoric wall of shame. But I'm going to start doing it with my kids because, like, you know, uh, you can do different science experiments. And I was sure. like, Mom, let's just do this in the kitchen. And make yeah. beer. Yeah. Like, and my wife's like, yeah, let's do it. Like, this would be yeah. fun. Yeah. Like, it's the simplest thing to make. It's not that made. hard. No. It's a great experience. You learn a lot. You get to hang out and have a good time and yeah. meet great people. And yeah. that's that's what beer's all about, right? I mean, it's, it's so true. It's, it's a social 
um, community beverage that we all just love. It's so good, too, man. I mean, it's the yeah. – my first beer was probably, like, good beer, fat tire in Iowa. I grew up in Iowa. Oh. Like, that's the first thing that we, we got was kind of that. So, yeah. But uh, so I would like say the – 98 Yeah. Anyone know? I would have – I graduated college in 06. So, oh, shit. You're a youngin'. I'm a youngin'. I mean, 200 ale kind of changed everything yeah, for me. Totally. Like, that was yeah. – wow. Buddy, Wayne Burns helped develop that recipe. Holy shit. Yeah, that's it's. I mean, that's still. It shouldn't be an IPA because it's not, you know. But yeah. it's a really good APA. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. Bell's is the shit. Goose Island too. I mean, everything was coming into Iowa then. But I learned, we learned a lot. Like I went out to when I went to Revolution. So apparently, you get outside of Chicago, and you view the Goose Island purchase as a, in a very negative way. Same thing with Breckeridge. But in Chicago, it's like, no, because Goose Island basically got all the money they needed to do, actually do beer that they wanted to do. So everything's right. barrel-aged and fucking awesome. You, know, you can go there and make crazy. good beer. Yeah, yeah. Look, here's the thing with um, big beer buying out small beer. Um, I don't really give a fuck. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, the people who put their blood, sweat, and tears got offered a shitload of money. Um, and the ability to do it well-funded, like, I, I, I'm not going to judge that. Fuck I'm no. also not going to spend my money um, on big beer when I can support local small, small craft local, breweries, sure. folks that I know and mm-hmm. folks that are um, scratching it out and trying to do something special and different mm-hmm. and don't have deep pockets. Sure. Um, I'm not going to tell anyone not to drink there, but I'll tell people they might consider how they spend their money. What's your um, favorite brewery in town? Um, or who makes the best beer? Not your favorite uh, beer. But do you think that that's that's a hard question though? I, I know. My, you my know first, to... I'll actually say my, the first one that came to my mind was actually Hogshead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but man, the list goes on. It depends on what kind of beer you want. Well, where are you gonna go to get? So, what's your favorite kind of beer? Your favorite style? Today? <laughs> right. Just today. Yes, today. Yeah. <laughs> well, today I'm drinking the. Uh, Foothills Fire Red Ale. So, so you have Red um, Ale. You know, look, Today. I, I love the I love the Scotch Ale. Um, yeah. That's probably my go-to here anyway. But there's um, that's during the winter time, and then Porter's. God, I don't know Porters and Browns. My I mean, my favorite style. Belgians. My favorite style is pro- I would probably go to a Porter. Okay. Me pro- too. Be my favorite style. And that's not really one that a lot of people make. And it's do. not one that people make well, well all the time. All the time. So who's got a, a good old porter always on? Go pin Black Gold. Yeah. Hogshead. Yeah. Totally. Uh, look, I mean, Black Butte Porter built um, that brewery. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's an amazing beer. We've had a porter on since day one up until we just ran out of our last porter um, about a month ago. Um, but we've got a Baltic in the tank today. I was brewing this morning, so um, that'll be out in six weeks. We we love porters. I always want to do a porter festival. It would be poorly attended, but it'd be, <laughs> be good. Yeah. So here's here's the here's my answer to your two questions. Um, one, who do I think is the best brewery in town? There's not an answer to that. Yeah. Um, there's so many people making really good beer um, that. You know, it, it's all, it's not just the beer either, right? It's also the experience, the environment. It's the um, people. 
the people. There are breweries whose beer I love, um, but I don't really go there because I, I don't like the people behind the bar because um, they're kind of dicks. Um, well, you can go to other places. I'm not going to say who those people are, you know, but... If, if um, you're going to make it here, you have to make a beer. Like, yes. You have to. Right. Otherwise, so, you don't last. It's absolutely true, but it can't just be about making great beer anymore because so many people are doing it. Um, yeah. There's also the the rest of the experience, right? Um, is the tap room comfortable or the folks behind the bar friendly and knowledgeable um, and, and all that sort of stuff is it you know within walking distance maybe yeah. that's your thing like it's 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 more than just that because um, you can go two miles and hit 25 great breweries that are all doing great stuff different stuff so it depends on what your bag is um, similar to Chad it's uh, my answer is I mean, as far as here goes, I always tell people to go fuck themselves because, like, they're all my children. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I love them all. Um, but, uh, you know, it depends on the the day, like, what the weather's doing, what I'm eating. How about this, then? Time of day. I'll, I'll, change, I'll change up the question. Yes. Not your favorite. What's, what's one kind of up-and-coming brewery that has surprised you that you think has really good beer? <laughs> Here's the other problem. Like, I, I live at this brewery and I sleep at home so I don't get to go out as much as I would like I've got a lot of friends who you know I try to stop by every now and again um, all that sort of stuff but um, some of the ones that opened this year that uh, we're friends with that we know we're doing great stuff um, so Flight Co um, over in um, the Berkeley neighborhood as well as Emporium um, both doing killer work Um, Raisi's just opened um, great guys, um, one of the few fully Latino open-owned breweries. Not the only, but heard that place um, is awesome, few. yeah. Dos Lissas is also um, Latino-owned. Um, you know, the those three that just opened this year that I'm personally familiar with, they're all great and new, and if you haven't heard of them, go check them out. Go check them out. Yeah. Well, gents, because we got to go off the record pretty soon, yep. let's do a cheers. And I get to take a leak. Thank you, Chad. Hey, Jordan, I appreciate it, guys. Thank yeah, you so much. Thank Jay you. is gone um, for good or for bad. Good times. Thanks so Great much, oldies. dude. Cheers. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, guys. Thank you.